Amen. Well, thank you for that special. I really appreciate that. I appreciate the part of that song that says God's not dependent on any man. And I appreciate that right now because now I know that it doesn't matter what I say. So God's going to be a blessing to you all today anyways. So, but I do have a great word for you all. Um, we're going to be looking at a sermon called No Turning Back that I prepared for you all out of the book of Hebrews. So if you have your Bible, you can open it up to Hebrews. And while you're opening it up, I just want to ask everyone a question. Does anyone know how to make a room full of Baptists uncomfortable? Anyone know? Okay. Just mention the casual accepted sin of gluttony, and everyone starts getting nervous. It's just like saying those words diet and exercise, and everyone starts getting real nervous. Oh, he's going to talk about me. No. The Romans used to be the masters of gluttony. If you know anything about the Roman Empire and their excess that they lived in, they had massive, massive parties and wasted money like nobody's business. They were the most powerful country in really all of history, and they just were extravagant in their parties. You know, they had so much food, and literally one of the emperors at one festival, just one, had over 2,000 fish and 7,000 types of birds all there just for one festival. I mean, these people love to eat. I mean, I love to eat, but these people really love to eat. And they ate so much that they literally created these process, this process of gagging themselves just so they could throw up and eat more of this food. They would have food on food on food, and they just get so full. You know how you're at a buffet, and you just eat and eat, and you're just like, oh, I can't even move anymore. They got to that point, and then they said, you know what? I think I need some more of that chicken over there. So they just leaned over and, <laughs> and everywhere, and they would just, oh, okay, I'll go back and eat some more. Gluttony, this disgusting gluttony. And you know what? When they went to these, they actually created these troughs for doing this. Rumor has it that they made like a, almost like a bathtub just specifically for this disgusting practice. And after they threw up in that trough, do you think that they would turn back and they go, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to this party. Wait, you know, wait a second. That chicken was pretty good. Let me Let me go back over here, and I'm going to get some of this from the trough over here. Of course not. That's not what they were thinking. The Bible says in Proverbs 26.11, it says, As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. That same feeling of disgust when even just thinking of someone turning back to eat their own puke. That's the same type of feeling that God gets when he sees you turn back to your old sin and your old life. And I have just this incredible, incredible thought here that God gave me out of the book of Hebrews here. And it's not anything new. It's something that we've probably, almost all of us have heard before. But I'm going to analyze what would, what would possess a human to go back and eat their own refuse. It's incredible to even think that something could push someone to do something like that. Yet we do it every day almost. And we go back to our old sins 
and the old life. And we're going to see a way in this scripture how we can not turn back. And we're going to learn here in Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to look at three truths to realize how to not turn back. So Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll start in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, we're going to go through verse 6. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, neither faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. Let's pray and we'll get into it this morning. God, we thank you so much just for allowing us to be here together. We thank you for your word. And we thank you that you've given us these principles to live by. We thank you just for giving us your love, even when we mess up. And no matter what, you're always there to receive us and to welcome us back. God, I ask that you would teach us this morning, teach us to be strong so that we will not turn back in the face of any difficulty, that we will stand strong. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're, we're looking at this first verse, and it, it goes right here, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about, compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So the first, really the first step to knowing how not to turn back is realize that others have gone before us. So you realize that others have gone on before you and they've not turned back. You, you look at this book of the Bible, Hebrews. I mean, an incredible book, very strong, very powerful, a little deep at times. You know, it's a little bit difficult to understand what exactly the writer is getting at, but as you study it, it's so rich with doctrine, so rich with encouragement. I mean, in chapter four, we see that anytime we're in a time of need, we can go to God. He's there for us. I mean, you see throughout the, the passage that God is pushing us. He wants us to not go back, to go on to maturity, to keep going forward. It's talking to the Hebrew people, which the Hebrew people were originally who? We've been talking about them on Sunday mornings. They're going through the wilderness, the Israelites, right? Later in the New Testament, now they're called Jews and Hebrews. And there in this passage, this whole book is speaking to those people, these people who have come out of strict religious backgrounds. They, they come out of this life, and they're now they're Christians, and the writer's trying to encourage them to say, hey, don't look back to that old life. Don't, don't go back to that religious, strict form. And he said, this was difficult for them. You've got to imagine, their families acted like they were dead. When these Jewish people accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, their family would literally hold a funeral for them. And if they saw them in the marketplace, 
they acted like they didn't exist. If they saw them out and about, they turned the other way. This wasn't just a, oh, you know, casual Christianity that we enjoy so much today. This was serious. This was life-changing. This was difficult for them. And this, this writer is here, he's saying, no, there's, there's a better way. You have tasted something much better. And he's encouraging them, come on, you've got a bunch of people who went before you. They didn't stop. Look, I mean, if you even look at the last chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, many of them were not perfect. Many of these people messed up. If you read the Old Testament, the lot of them were screw-ups. They, they didn't do much good, yet they're still recorded here in Hebrews. Why? Because at the end, they stayed faithful. At the end, they didn't turn back. I mean, you look at some of these people. They overcame all the excuses. We have excuses today, too. I mean, when we realize that others have gone before us, we say, oh, you know what? They had it easy, you know? They had, it, you know, their, their situation is not like mine. I mean, seriously, my family has a history of just bad people. I can't, you know, I'm always going to struggle with that, and, you know, it's going to come back to me. Listen, you talk about bad family, Abel, okay, you know his brother Cain? Not a good guy. He killed him, okay? That's, that's not a good family. He had bad family relationships and bad examples through his own brother, his older brother. You know how little brothers look up to older brothers so often? You know that. I mean, until you get taller than them, like I did to my brother, then he looks up to me. So, <laughs> so these older, older sibling, he had a bad example in front of him someone who wasn't listening to his father's advice. His father taught him how to sacrifice properly to God. And yet Cain didn't want to follow that advice. And Abel, in the face of that, still did what was right. He, he didn't get swayed, and ultimately he lost his life because of this. But he didn't turn back. You look at Enoch. Enoch was in a time right before Noah. The world was turning south. No one else was walking with God at that time. Enoch is pointed out as someone special because he walked with God. It doesn't say Enoch and his family. It doesn't say Enoch and his brother and Enoch and this other guy over here. It was just Enoch. He had other people around him, and really, the status quo was pretty low at that point. He didn't have to be something special. He didn't have to walk with God. No one would have known. He rose above the status quo. You can say, oh, no, you know what? I'm... I'm comfortable here in my old life. I'm comfortable, you know, coming to church on Sunday, singing my little praise, you know, raising my hand, and then go back and do what I'm going to do on Monday and live my way the rest of the week. Enoch didn't believe in that. Enoch rose way above the status quo. There was no one quite like him, and in the end of his life again, he didn't turn back. Noah, man, can we talk about Noah? He sat there for a long time building an ark, and daily they would mock him. They came and made fun of him. Oh, what are you building that ark for? Oh, what is this? What's rain? What are you even talking about? They mocked him. I mean, some of us, just the mention of, ooh, you're a Christian at the workplace? You're, oh, well, you know, I'm not that type of Christian. I'm, I'm not, you know, too wild out there. I just kind of, you know, go to church, and I just kind of, every once in a while, not even thinking to say, no, I am a Christian. 
I do believe in God. I believe that Jesus Christ paid the debt for my sin, and he paid it for you too. Why don't you come to church with me? Instead, many of us shy back and we say, I'm not that type of Christian. I'm not that into it. Nope. Noah didn't do it. He stood firm. He kept building that ark, and really we're all thankful for that because none of us would be here right now if he hadn't. So (laughs) Noah, in the face of mockery, didn't turn back. Abraham. You look at Abraham, the father of our faith. I mean, even the Jewish people look up to him. What a mess up. This guy lied all over the place. He came from the land of, you know, worshiping the moon and stars. And, you know, he still, even after God blessing him, talking with him, he still lied about, oh, Sarah, you know, just say you're my sister, and then they won't, they won't take me and kill me, okay? He lied that his wife was his sister just so that they wouldn't kill him. He didn't believe in God at times. He, he struggled with that. But in the end, you know what he did? He became the father of our faith. He, he actually grew from that point. Um, a lot of his story after that is much better. He, he turned away from family. He turned away from his father. He even turned away from his nephew Lot when it would have been easy to just follow and go to Sodom and Gomorrah and live in a worldly lifestyle and probably get even richer than he was. He chose to stay and he let go of that family. He, he let go of his own son just to do what God had called him to do. Even his own closest family member, his flesh and blood. Is your family holding you back from serving God? And is your family holding you back from living that life, being a Christian? Are they pulling you back to that old life? Abraham did it. He walked away. And he's recorded here in the Bible because of it. There's no real mention that much of Abraham's father except that he was there. Don't let your father's reputation or what he did or didn't do for you or with you, don't let that hold you back from being a great Christian. Don't let that hold you back. Go forward. Jacob, you say, what did Jacob do? Here, it, it mentions him in Hebrews chapter 11 that even in his old age, he blessed his grandchildren. Even you can say, oh, well, you know what? That's for you young people. That's for you all to just, you know, go and you do the Christian thing and you go and invite people to church and I can't do that anymore. <laughs> Jacob didn't say that. Jacob, Jacob still knew that God had a plan for him. He didn't turn back at the end and he said, you know what? There's something else that I can do. I can, I can reach these young children. They look up to me. They recognize me. And he blessed them. You know what? That blessing stuck. And that was awesome. And Jacob is recorded here for being faithful. He didn't turn back even in his old age. And you know what? That's another guy. He was a mess up. He did everything wrong that you could do. And still he's here because at the end, he didn't turn back. Joseph, man, you could say, you know what? I just, I have to get this revenge on someone. I can't be a dedicated Christian because this person and this person and this person did me wrong and I'm keeping a list. And you, Jacob, Joseph, if any person had the right to be revengeful, he was, you know, sold into slavery, beaten, thrown into prison, lied about continually, and then God rose him into power. He raised him up. And you know what? 
he still, when he had even a greater opportunity to take revenge on his brothers, he didn't let it stop him from living for God. Even after his father died, he had other opportunities, and he still stuck it out and lived for God. And God records that story for us all to read here today. That's incredible. And we can keep going. Moses, through fear of the unknown, I mean, you can think to yourself, well, my excuse is, well, I just don't know what God's going to do with me. If I, if I give my life to him and, you know, turn away from this old life that I'm so used to, I'm so comfortable here doing my old sins, my old things, living this way. I've always lived like this for years and years. Moses, for 80 years, had lived in the comfort. For 40 of those years, he lived with nobody around him, like solitude, shepherd, you know, out in the backside of the wilderness. That's some men's dream, okay? And he gave up that dream. And he went and served the Lord for 40 years with some crybaby Israelites in the wilderness who always whined, always belly ached, and he had to say, what am I, am I these, these people's mother? Did I produce these kids in my own childbirth? No, why am I acting like I'm their mother? Oh, here you go, okay, you want some more manna? Okay, let me pray and ask for it. Oh, you want some meat? Okay, here you go. He's sitting there and he said, I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm, he's at the edge of the unknown, at the edge of the Red Sea. And he sits there and he says, you know what? I'm all in for God. I'm all in. No matter what it is, okay, the burning bush, everything out here, the shepherding, all great. You know what? I'm giving that up and I'm not looking back. He didn't say, you know what? These Israelites are frustrating me. I'm going back to Midian and I'm going to go and shepherd again. He never did that. And you know why? Because he trusted that God was good. And if we believe that God is really good, and we won't turn back either, but we're going to get into that in a little bit. One more, Israel. This is one that's really, really eye-opening. Even in the face of persecution, through Egypt and through the wilderness, and as they went into Jordan, they were persecuted physically. They're still recorded here in Hebrews chapter 11 as being faithful, trusting in God, not turning back. And, and though they struggled in the wilderness... At the Red Sea, they believed in God at that miraculous moment. And when they crossed over Jordan into the promised land, they trusted in God and they, they knew him. And when they crossed the Jordan River, they didn't go back across the same way. They went forward. And though they had battles and trials and struggles, they won the promised land. Just like God has already he said that the battle's already been won. All you have to do is go and claim it. They walked in, and if you read the book of Joshua, I mean, God, God destroyed those cities. He sent, you know, hornets to chase people out of their cities. He rained down fire and hail from the heavens just to, you know, destroy the on oncoming armies, cause earthquakes. They were just out there standing around with their sword and shield. Okay, not doing anything here, but thanks, God. This is good, you know, cool. They didn't have to do anything. Just as they didn't have to do anything to keep going forward, they claimed God's promises. We can claim God's promises today as well and keep going forward. We're going to see right here, and really, the point of all of this is to say, they made it, I can make it. If they can make it, I can make it. 
If they can make it, those wretched sinners that should have belonged in the puke pile over here, if they can make it, I can make it. I want everyone to say that. If they can make it, I can make it. If they can make it, I can make it. Okay, you guys sound like Presbyterians. We're in a Baptist church here. So come on, we're, we're all going to work together here, okay? On the count of three, if they can make it, I can make it. It's not that long of a sentence, okay? We, I think we can get it, okay? If they can make it, I can make it. Okay, one, two, three. If they can make it, I can make it. And that's true. And even if you think, no, my situation's special. I, I, I think that my old life, I, I was a, a drug addict. I can't, I can't come out of that. I was, I, I'm, you know, on alcohol. I, I mean, every day it just seems like I can't get out of it. If these people can make it, you can make it. And there are testimonies upon testimonies of people right here in our own church that they could tell you, if I can make it, you can make it. And if that's your testimony, I, I hope that you share that with others. I hope that you go and if someone's struggling and you struggled with that same thing and God has given you the victory, have you taken that opportunity to share that with someone and say, you know what? I struggled with this too. But you know what? God delivered me. And he can deliver you too. That's our opportunity here as Christians who God brings us out of sin we're able to go and show people, don't, don't go back there. There's nothing for you over there. Come over here with me. I'll show you what's good over here. This is our opportunity as Christians who have been saved out of the muck and the mire. We have that opportunity. And if they can make it, so can I. <laughs> the, the next step to really being able to not turn back is to realize that Jesus already defeated your sin. Jesus already won the battle. He won the war. There's no more fighting. There's no more difficulty. It, it, you, you might not believe me at this point, but let's read verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Sometimes, coming into a church, I don't know your situation, I, I don't know everyone in here, but you might be saying to, in your mind to me, well, you don't know where I am, I, I, don't even, I don't even know where to start, I don't even know where to get started, I mean, I've got all this baggage, and I don't even know where to start, <laughs> I've got good news. You don't have to worry about that, Jesus already started it, it he's the author, he's, he created you, he created you with a purpose, and that purpose was to be saved and to glorify him in your life. He started it all. I mean, he's called the lamb slain before the foundation of the world in Revelation. Before he even created you, he knew you were going to mess up. You didn't surprise him. Your life isn't, whoa, oh man, that is terrible. I really didn't think he was going to go that far. God doesn't say that. He knows you. He knows your mess-ups, and he says, you know what? I've already chosen to love you. <laughs> I chose a long time before you were here, and because of that, I died for you. Because of that, I, I got on a cross and bled and gave my life for you. 
He was slain even before you were born. He had made up his mind to do that. And in Ephesians 1.4, it says, According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Not only did he plan to save you, but get this. (laughs) He also planned to make you perfect. If he saved you, He's already made a way for you to be holy. You think, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. Nope, I quit. It's impossible. How can I be holy? How can I get rid of this sin? It's, It's literally impossible. It's so ingrained in me. I can't do it. God calls you a liar because he says, you can do it. I've already done it. I already paid the price. I defeated sin. It doesn't have any power over you anymore. We see right here, um, when you feel like you can't keep going, don't worry. Jesus already finished the race for you. (laughs) He's not only the author, but he's also the finisher. He already finished it. He got on the cross, and at the end, he said, to tell us thy. It is finished. And you might not know that Greek word, but that is so special because it has that part at the beginning, to tell us that it sounds like you've got a stutter, but you actually don't. That's the way the word is. It's a perfect future tense. I know that means nothing to most of you, but I'm going to explain exactly what it is because it's so good. Okay, Jesus said, it is finished, and it's being finished. And you think, okay, that doesn't even make sense anymore. So I'm going to explain a little more. He finished it right then and there, and it has lasting effects in your life in my life he finished it on the cross but it's not just there that he died and woo, yeah cool no it's awesome because that death destroyed sin he took the cost right there he he paid the price and that has lasting effects for me it's being finished in me every day you feel like you can't keep going don't worry Jesus already did. (laughs) He's already taken it. Give your burden to him. He was so happy to do it. You look at here in verse 2, it says that he despised the shame, but before that, who for the joy that was set before him. He didn't go up to the cross and give himself for you because he hated you. (laughs) He loved you. He loved you enough to do that, and he was happy to lay down his life for you, and he's happy today to help you keep going. But when you feel like you're so beaten up and you're so down and there's no way that you can press on, he says, I'm here. I've already beat that sin that you're struggling with. So why don't you just step out and let me f- keep fighting it? it? It's already been won. You just, walk in my, you just walk in my victory. Keep going. The land's already been won. The promised land, go take it. It's there for you. That spiritual maturity of walking and with God and holiness, it's there. It's there for the taking. You can get it today. All you have to do is claim God's promise. Just like you claimed when you got saved that, Jesus, I believe you paid for my sin and, you know, there's no other way but you. It's the same way as we keep going. Jesus, you already defeated this sin. I don't even have to struggle with it anymore. I, I don't have to sin. Did you realize that before you were saved, you really didn't have a choice, right? 
You were just sinning. You didn't even think about it. You didn't think about it twice. It was just natural. You had to be taught how to not sin. You had to be trained and whipped (laughs) how to not sin. But when we're saved now, we have a choice. Did you know that? It's not a secret. People act like it might be. It's not a secret. Now when temptation comes along, we don't have to say, okay, do whatever you want. You know, I'm, I'm powerless against you. I'm just going to fall into this temptation. It's my besetting sin, so I might as well just keep doing it, because if not, I'm not going to have anything to talk about when I go to church. No. <laughs> you can get rid of it. You can let it go. God has already broken that chain. He's paid the price. He's defeated sin. If you guys don't get excited about it, I sure am. That's for sure. Come on. <laughs> He's already defeated sin, and and when you feel like you're struggling and you just can't overcome a sin, and you think you have this besetting sin, you don't. God's already beat it. Live in that victory. Say, God, I know you've already defeated this sin. I don't have to do this anymore. I'm walking away. And God will fill you with that victory, fill you with that power to be able to walk away from it. Jesus didn't turn his back for you. He stayed on that cross. He finished. Will you turn your back from him? How could you? How could I? When he's given it all for me. How could you possibly turn back from him? The last and final idea here is realize that God will chase you relentlessly if you do leave. <laughs> and it's a, it's a startling, kind of exciting, you know, kind of fearful fact. But here in verse 5, it says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Don't forget. This, this, if this, this verse doesn't make sense to you with like these older words and exhortation and that's like got three syllables so anything over two I don't get it you know if that's you here you go okay God's gonna whip your tail if you run away from him does that make sense he's gonna chase you he's gonna find you and just like he chased after Jonah when he tried to run away from the Lord he's gonna chase after you you can try to hide but if you've already accepted his payment for your sin you're not getting away from him He's going to keep chasing you. He's going to keep chasing. And some of you are like, oh, man, you know, God is punishing me because I'm doing this sin. And, man, my life's tough. Are you surprised? (laughs) You're over here having a puke fest, eating your own throw up of your old life. And you're surprised that God's not trying to get you away from that? Just like, I mean, if you even had a dog that was going to eat his own throw up, you kick him and get him away from it. We're not God's dog, Okay. We're his children. (laughs) He loves us. He loves us relentlessly. And that's why he chases us. Just like if you had a wayward child. You don't stop loving them. You never stop loving them. You you still pray for them. You ask them. Even time to time you say, man, I really wish that you would come over this way. I, I know that you see the blessings in my life. You know, don't you want that for yours? Just like you chase them times you're mad at them, times you just cry, (laughs) but you still love them, and you still want them back. God's going to keep chasing you. 
he's going to keep pursuing you. But you know what? He still loves you. <laughs> In all this whippings, and as he tries to, you know, get you back, he chastises you. He, he punishes you for running away from him. But when you come back, he's there with open arms. <laughs> he's ready to receive you. Don't think, oh, I've gone too far. I've done this. And I know when you do this, people look at you funny when you come back to church. <laughs> not in this church. <laughs> I guarantee, not in this church. We're ready to receive you back because God has done a work in us. And though the rest of the world might look at you like, ooh, that guy. We, we are all sinners here. <laughs> there ain't none of us perfect, that's for sure. And <laughs> when someone comes back and they're ready to start serving the Lord again, we ought to be the first to welcome them with open arms, just as God did to us and has many times. Uh, you think God gave us the story of the prodigal son who went, he spent all his money, he disrespected his father, basically spit in his face. He comes back, dirty, wallowing with pigs, pretty much like the whole throw-up idea over here. And he comes back stinking, smelling. Does, does the father say, oh, no, no, here's a, here's a towel. You need to wash up first before I hug you. Here's, here's some water. Pour it over you. Here's some cologne. You got you to gotta clean that up before you come back over here. That father was running. He made a beeline. He took off from the porch when he saw his son out there, and he hugged his neck, and he kissed him, and he put his own ring on his hand and said, you are welcome here. You are welcome here, and I love you. And he had a feast, a celebration, just to show him how much he loved him. You may feel like today, like you've gone too far, that you just got drugged here this morning and by chance you're here, trust me, <laughs> you're not here by accident. Amen. If God didn't love you, do you think you'd be here right now, an all-powerful, omniscient God? Not only would you not be in church if he didn't love you, <laughs> you wouldn't be in existence. Let me tell you that much. He could just wipe you off the face of the earth. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants a relationship with you. Will you let that love drive you to keep pressing on? Or will it be the whippings on your back? Will that drive you to turn away from the puke of your old life? <laughs> or is it going to be the love that he has for you, the love he's shown us? Can you truly sing the song, No Turning Back? No Turning Back. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you again just for this truth that you love us. You've done a great work already. You've defeated sin. I ask that you would greatly, greatly use your word, not me, but your word, to make this truth hold fast in the hearts of those who heard it this morning. God, I ask that you would use the people here to be welcoming and encouraging to those who turn back to you. And Lord, I ask that you would please let us be a place where restoration is known and made obvious. Those of us who struggle with sin, 
I ask that you would let them remember you've already defeated it. Those of us who are pulled by our old life, let us see the folly, the throw-up of that way. God, I ask that you would show us something better. You already have this morning. Make it real to those who are doubting. Let it be known all throughout Jacksonville. I ask this in Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and every eye closed,